Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Let's have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Welcome to the 66th edition of the MTO Podcast. We got some draft to talk about. We got NBA playoffs, one of my favorite episodes, because those are two of my favorite things. So let's go ahead and get right into it right here, right now. Let's talk about this NFL draft. Um, Like I said, not as much intrigue, not as much hoopla around it, um, but we still got the draft. So um, let's we'll start off at the top. The question everybody wants to do draft grades. But what I'll just ask you is, who do you feel like had the best draft? Give me two or three teams. I I really like the Ravens draft. I know we were kind of laughing and kind of making fun because we were like, well, do you count the Hollywood Brown trade as part of the draft because it happens on draft day? Because we didn't like that aspect of uh, what they did that day. But if you take that out of the equation, I, I did like what the uh, the Ravens did in this draft, and I thought they had a good draft. I thought maybe with trading Hollywood Brown, they would maybe go and get some more weapons. They, they kind of did in the tight end department. It seems like they're – trying to go with the old school New England tight end uh, thing of kind of running it and throwing it uh, down the middle of the field, making your linebackers have to play in coverage and uh, see what they can do in that situation. So I kind of like it from that aspect because I do like um, that part of their game with Lamar Jackson. And maybe that's what they feel like he's more comfortable with or that he feels like that's what, you know, maybe that's more comfortable for him is, going to tight ends and just using that part of the field. So I did like that for the Ravens, but I just wasn't quite sure about the Hollywood Brown part of it because like, you know, you were kind of saying we might not like him as a true number one, but you take, you give him now to the Cardinals and he's a two and he's not really having to get the, you know, number one guy on him. He's maybe getting a little bit less of a corner. Now he might be doing a little bit more things, especially now hooking back up. Uh, with his former teammate, Colin Murray. Uh, those guys were, of course, uh, doing some things at Oklahoma. So I I liked it for the Cardinals. I think, you know, another weapon opposite uh, DeAndre Hopkins going deep is good for them. But I, I like what the Ravens did in the draft. So I think Ravens is definitely a team that I felt like did some good things in the, uh, the draft this year. Yeah, if we're talking strictly who they picked in the draft, I 100% agree with you. I think getting Kyle Hamilton, who's arguably the best player in the draft, and getting him at 14 was a big deal. Um, I, like you said, the tight end, I really like Charlie Kohler. Um, Isaiah Likely is basically just a big-ass receiver. If you look at his frame, he ain't he's a tight end by name, but he ain't, he ain't blocking nobody. Let's just put it that way. So I think they'll probably use him in a, a lot of the ways that Kyle Pitts has used. Not the same kind of athlete, but same body type so that they'll try to use them in that way um i really did like their draft they seem to be i feel like every year we do this and we say who's drafted we like we always name the ravens because they just do a really good job of drafting um like i said i wasn't 100 sure about that trade just because kind of the big thing that i'm saying is i, w- I want them to get more weapons um i am a huge fan of bateman though and i think ba- bateman all you fantasy football players now make sure you target rashad bateman because i think he's gonna get loose this year, especially because he's going to be basically their number one. So just a little tidbit for you here in in late April about what your draft's going to look like come September, August time. Um, but, I mean, I think the Ravens can still get another receiver because, I mean, I think T.Y. Hilton's a free agent. I think you can use him to replace Hollywood Brown. I don't think you lose much there. I think there's some guys kind of hanging out, still looking for a job that you could sign. But from a draft perspective solely, I liked who they picked a lot. Um, for me, the big winner... I love the Jets draft. Um, basically, their first round, I didn't really even care who they picked for the rest of the whole thing. Um, getting Sauce Gardner at corner, which they really needed a corner. Getting Garrett Wilson, who's my favorite receiver in the draft. And, the, and the, you know how much I love these receivers in this draft. Uh, getting him to help uh, Zach Wilson, your young quarterback. And then getting Jermaine Johnson, who's a hell of a pass rusher. Getting him, I was fine if somebody would have took him in the top 10, top 15. Getting him... Late first round, I think they got him at 26. I think it was a steal. So once they did that, I was sold. Brees Hall is a running back who was my best running back on the board. They got him as well. I didn't feel like they needed a running back, but I guess if you can upgrade a position, 
then you do that. I think Brees Hall is a star. So, I mean, if you can get a star in the second round, then take it, right? Um, they got Rucker, the tight end, who I think is kind of used to mm-hmm. being an inline blocker and also being able to um, catch the pass. Like, he didn't need to do it at Ohio State very often because when you have receivers like Ohio State has, you don't throw it to your tight end very often. Um, but I think he's a very capable player. I just really like their draft. Um, I thought they did a really good job. My, it's funny when I was when I was watching, it, I was just like, they must have got a new GM because I usually don't like their their drafts that much. So I was like, they got somebody else calling the shots this year because I really liked what they did. And then honorable mention, another team I really liked was the Lions. And again, it was the same kind of thing. The first round they got Aiden Hutchinson, and then they got Jamison Williams, who to me, if he wasn't injured, would probably be my number two receiver, possibly my number one receiver. Um, so getting him at 13, I think the Lions are sneakily getting that a team around what will be their quarterback of the future whenever they decide to get that guy. They're going to have some weapons now because you got DeAndre Swift, who's a very good running back. Jamal Williams is a good complement to that. You got TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown. They just got Shark. And then now they got Jamison Williams. There's some weapons on that offense. So they did pretty much what I wanted the Falcons to do, which was build an offense and then get a quarterback. I bet you next year they're going to suck again, and then they're going to go get a quarterback. And I think Detroit can take a leap very similar to that that Cincinnati did without getting all the way to the Super Bowl, because I'm not ready to say they're going to get to the Super Bowl. But that kind of leap to where they're going from, ha-ha, they suck, to, okay, these kids are pretty nice. I think they can do that in probably two years. I, I think the Lions are going to be ready to compete as long as they don't fuck it up by doing some Lions-like here in the next couple of years. Um, so those are the ones that I had. Is there any other team that you want to mention that you thought did really well? No, I just want to piggyback on the Lions. I really like their draft. I like the Hutch pick. I like the Jamison uh, Williams pick just from the standpoint as I thought, like you said, he was probably one of or the best wide receiver in this draft if he doesn't hurt his knee you know, in the playoffs. So I, I just really like what the Lions are doing. I like where they're headed. I, I feel like they see the vision. They know where they're trying to do, where they're trying to go. And I just really like what they're doing up there. Hopefully, you know, they can get it together on the football field and see, you know, the progress that they're making at least uh, through the draft. But, no, I just wanted to piggyback on that. I, I thought all those teams, for the most part, really had, you know, good to great uh, drafts and hit it out the park. All right. So is there a team that you feel like, did not hit it out of the park. Let's say they struck out to keep the baseball analogy going on. Like who's the draft day losers? Uh, I'm going to go with New England. I didn't, I'm not going to say I hated their draft. I, it was unimpressive to me. I think especially when you're talking about Bill Belichick, who's had the history of not really drafting really great like weapons, you kind of side-eye his weapons. You're not going to give him the benefit of the doubt anymore. I mean, the last time he really kind of did would be, what, Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski at tight ends. But from a wide receiver standpoint, he really hasn't you know drafted well at that. So looking at, I'm sorry if I mess up your name, Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor, I mean, I watched him play versus Texas. I mean, he was okay. I wouldn't, I mean, I'm not, he's not anybody that I'm going to really fear coming into the league, I would say. Um, they picked up a guard out of Chattanooga with their first pick. Looks decent. They definitely need some more O-line help to uh, keep Mac Jones upright. And, you know, I guess, I know it's fourth round, but picking up a QB is kind of questionable to me. Um, Bailey Zapp out of Western Kentucky. And just, you know, just looking at it from my standpoint, I just wasn't that impressed with the picks that they made. So, I don't know. Bill Belichick, I feel like, gets some benefit of the doubt that, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on the defensive picks, but the offensive ones, especially with the weapons, I, I just don't know. I think you definitely could have did more, especially in a draft where there was a lot of wide receivers to be uh, nabbed. I think they definitely could have did more to help out their young QB. I'm going to say this out loud. I'll probably be the first one to say it out loud. I think the game's passing Bill by. I think he's. I, I think I really think that's what's happening. I think we're watching it. I'm not ready to be the guy that says Brady was completely his success and like responsible for all of Bill Belichick's success. I don't think that's true. But I think he's going the way of you know Jimmy Beheim, Tom Izzo, to where it's like you know what this don't this shit don't work no more. You're trying to do it again. Um, I didn't like any of it. Like you said, you didn't. You don't want to bash on it. There's not a pick that they made that I like 
if I'm just going to be real with you. Um, they got Cole Strange in the first round. I think the guy has the appropriate last name for that pick because um, <laughs> it was a strange one. Um, Taquan Thornton, I don't think is a good receiver. He's just really fast, and they picked him in the second round. It, like Again, I've talked and talked and talked about how much I love this draft class from a receiver standpoint. And in the second round, you pick probably my 18th favorite receiver from this draft class. And there has only been, what, four that had already went. So that's an awful pick. Um, I don't have anything really bad to say about Marcus Jones. I don't know him like that. But picking two running backs as well in a draft where you have two really young running backs that you just drafted and Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris that are should look like studs, honestly. So picking two more running backs doesn't make sense to me. I didn't like any of it. Like, I don't know if you guys watch Family Guy, but there's a part where the dude does a little singing riff. And at the end of it, they, I think Brian does a little singing riff. And at the end of it, somebody just goes, I didn't like any of that. Like, that's how I, that's how I feel about this draft. Like, I just, there's not a single part of this that I like. So um, I think if this was anybody other than New England, people would be killing it a little bit more. But People defer to Bill Belichick like that because he's earned that. I know I'm perfectly fine with that. But I think this is starting to pass him by. Maybe he's the evil genius and he'll get the last laugh here. But if he does get the last laugh, I don't think it'll be because of this draft class. I'm just going to say that out loud. Um, the other team that is more expected to be terrible is Jacksonville. I didn't like their draft either. Started at one. I think they got the third or fourth best player at his position at the first pick. It's never good when you get the fourth best player at a position when you had the first pick overall. That's never a good start. And then the main thing for me is you just drafted Trevor Lawrence last year, and I know you did some things in the offseason to help him out, but you did nothing in the draft to help him out. You didn't get a receiver. You didn't get a lineman. I think they got a center, but that's not really going to keep him upright. That's more for your running backs. Um I didn't like it. I feel like you have to continue to invest in your quarterback if you're going to take him number one pretty much every year in the draft until he, until you're solidified, kind of the way that the Bengals did. You know, they went and got T. Higgins, and they went and got Jamar Chase, and then they went and got some linemen for him. Like, they took care of him through and through. I don't feel like they're doing the same thing with Trevor, and I think that's a problem. So um, I didn't like either one of those drafts. Yeah, I, I agree with the Jacksonville standpoint. I I figured they would, you know, maybe try to turn this thing around since getting rid of Urban and kind of semi feel like going in a different direction. But yeah, I definitely thought they could have did better. And it's funny because I feel like, from a talent standpoint, all these teams really—I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them—they did better. It's like, well, why couldn't you? Like, there was so much talent to go around, and you just let it pass by. And I just don't—I don't get that sometimes. Like, I—I I guess you know, whatever. I can't remember. I just don't know. I just I when you see teams like New England, Jacksonville pa- pass up the talent that they pass up, you just wonder sometimes about what they're looking at and what they're even seeing. You know, are you are you just a, like to me? I feel like there's two type of GMs. I feel like are you watching film? Or are you going to like pro days and stuff? Because I feel like a, a lot of people put stock in pro days, and a lot of people put, and then other people put stock in film. And to me, you got to put more stock in film than pro day. But we see the guys who pick which ones i see i feel like they're starting to stand out basically in in my opinion yeah i mean i think you're absolutely right um so i got a couple more questions on the draft um who do you think like what player do you think landed in like the best fit for them not necessarily like the best player but like this they have a chance to kind of start real start from the hit the ground running i guess is the term i'm trying to use because they got picked in a in a really good fit uh i'm gonna go with kenny pickett and honestly it was gonna be him or malik willis whoever got drafted by the steelers which actually i could say malik willis landing with the titans was a good one too actually i i think from his standpoint being on a team slash organization that feels grown up you know not you know a clown show as bryce harper would say and you know just having uh, that stability and knowing that you got a running back, you got some weapons, like you're not just going to be thrown out there to be like, all right, go, go get it done. You know what I mean? Like 
So I like that situation for him. I, you know, I think he probably steps in being already better than um, my man Mason Rudolph, and then probably ends up being in a QB competition with Trubisky, which I would hope he could beat that out. You know, maybe Trubisky, I don't know, gotten way better in his year playing under Josh Allen, but I doubt it. So if Pickett steps into that role, then I think that's a perfect situation. I think that's the type of team that you want to step into, especially as a rookie QB, where everything isn't going to be thrown on your plate. They're probably going to still treat the offense like they did last year with Ben Roethlisberger, which is going to be a lot of running and a lot of, you know, probably some play action passes for the most part, maybe throwing it on first down when they're not expecting it, but handling it with kid gloves for the most part, because that's really kind of what they did with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, I know he he was a veteran QB and he was going to do his Ben thing. He was going to air it out, but those things didn't normally work out. So I think from that standpoint, I think Pickett's in a good situation. And uh, maybe my 1B would probably be, like I said, Malik Willis landing on the Titans and being able to play behind Tannehill and also being on a team that uh, it feels grown up. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry for laughing. You're getting better at this, at this one B shit. Cause you're throwing it in there smoother and smoother. (laughs) Like I'm not going to hear that stupid shit. Oh man. I hate it. Okay. Continue. (laughs) No, so I like that also from Malik Wizzles just because I didn't want him to end up on a trash team and then him get ruined and then we just be like, see, he couldn't do it. So I feel like this is a good spot for him to flourish and actually be a good QB. All right. That's your 1B, huh? Okay. Um, Maybe number two. That makes sense. Anyway, um, mine, I would say, is probably David Bell, a receiver out of Purdue. He went to Cleveland. Um, obviously you're going to play with an elite quarterback with Sean Watson. You already got, uh, Amari Cooper, who's going to take most of the coverage there. It's a really strong run game. So the box will more than likely be loaded and you're not going to have to deal with any kind of double teams. It's going to be kind of one-on-one and you're going to be able to, to do your thing one-on-one. And there's not like a lot of other receivers in the room to where it's going to be, that hard to carve out space because I mean Donovan Peoples Jones shows some promise, but he's not unbeatable as far as on um, the depth chart. Um, Anthony Schwartz is there, but he didn't really necessarily have a great rookie season. I don't know if Rashard Higgins is there or not, but I'm not sure if I'm David Bell, I would care about that. Um, for me, David Bell reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to get to that spot as far as being well top five to ten receiver in the league, but I think he's that type of player. Um, I think he's in a great situation to succeed and kind of show, prove people wrong as far as him being drafted so late. Like, And then another player I had, so I'll say my number two pick for best fit, um, is Romeo Dubs as a receiver out of Nevada. Nevada, I don't know why I said it that weird. Nevada, uh, that I really like. Um, anytime you get to go play with Aaron Rodgers as a receiver, that's a pretty good situation to be in. And then there's a giant hole with um, Devontae Adams not being there. So I think he has an opportunity to get some snaps right off the bat and really make a, a, a name for himself pretty early in his career because he's going to have the quarterback that's able to get it to him. And I think he's going to have the opportunity since they lost Devontae and they also lost um, Marquez Scatling. There's a other name there, but you know what I'm talking about. Valdez Scatling, that's the one. That's the third name. Valdez, so I forgot. Um so I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity. and he, Basically, any receiver that's going to have the opportunity to start and has a quarterback that's going to be able to give him the ball. Why don't we throw Sky Moore in there as well for Kansas City because he has a void that he can fill with Tyreek Hill. So any receiver that's going to have a really good quarterback and also a really good opportunity to play off the bat, I think is a good fit. There's three examples I just gave you. One, two, and three. Not 1A, 1B, and 1C. One, two, and three. Um, so that's going to be my answer for this. But I got a couple other questions I want to ask you about the draft or draft-adjacent things. Um, talk to me about some of the draft day trades, uh, specifically these receivers going, and what you think that means for the teams that got them. So we talked a little bit about the Cardinals getting Hollywood Brown. Um, what do you think about this A.J. Brown trade, and what does that mean for the Eagles, and how does that shake up? that division. Yeah, I I don't know how it shakes up the division. It definitely shows that they're trying to give Hurts a fair, true opportunity to be a good, you know, QB in this league and 
see maximize see what they can get with him definitely by giving him a weapon a real weapon because i mean i don't think anybody's really been that impressed with the philadelphia eagles wide receivers in a while what like maybe to was probably the last time we were impressed with a eagles wide out so i i definitely like to trade from the eagles standpoint i I think now you're definitely seeing the, uh, that certain teams are going to pay wide receivers and certain teams aren't, or just, you know, the, the haves and have not, who's got money to spend, who doesn't have money to spend, and where are they necessarily spending it on. And I think you're going to see that a lot now. I definitely, especially with the way college football is, with teams being so spread heavy, there's just going to be a lot more guys out there that are probably going to be better and just used to being wide open space and just working on their wide receiver skills more, especially seeing with the way the league's going. I mean, you saw the you saw the wide receivers that were coming out this year. It was crazy, and you'd think that next year might be even better. So it's just it's ridiculous, the talent coming in from that. So if you're an NFL team saying, well, we don't necessarily have to pay the guy we have now, if we feel confident that we found this guy and we can find another – I think you're going to find teams doing that a lot more often. Now, are you always going to hit? Probably not. But if you got that confidence in yourself, then you're probably going to think that you can do it again. So I definitely think you're going to start seeing teams being like, oh, we're not going to pay you. We'll just trade you away, get more draft picks, and just take more chances at trying to grab young wide receivers coming out of the draft. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think what we're seeing is, is that, there's a lot of receivers coming out every year. I was even looking at next year, and I'm like, I mean, there's a lot of them I like too. So well, I'm wondering if at some point receivers are going to turn into like running backs to where it's like nobody wants to pay them because there's like there's enough of them to where I can just get the next one. Um, that'll be interesting to see. Probably won't be for another 10 years before we really even have that conversation. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if that's kind of what happens. It's harder because this is a pass-happy league. And so we're going in the, these are the players you need for a pass happy league, but still going to be interesting as we get more and more of them, if they kind of water down their own value as a position group, but that's a future conversation. My next and last question with respect to the draft, or like I said, draft adjacent, um, with all the moves that have been made at receiver, what, which quarterback do you think has the most pressure on them? Is it Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Tua Tagavailoa or now Jalen Hurts? I'm going to go. I think I'm not going to do it to you. I think one is Tua because I think now they've given him enough weapons that there's no excuse from the weapon standpoint. And he, if it doesn't work out for him, I think they're ready. I mean, we by all means, they were basically trying to get Tom Brady. So they're obviously ready to move on from him at the drop of a hat. So I think the first is him. I think second is actually might surprise you. I think it's Derek Carr. I think that now he has no excuses. He's another guy that has really no excuses. You have a running back. You have a number one wide receiver. You have a number one tight end. You have one of the best slot guys in the league. Like, there's no more excuses for you, my guy. You got to go out there and ball every week. And he's shown that he can – be a really good QB, but he's shown that he is Mr. Dump It Down. So I need to see definitely more from him. So that would be my one and two guys that I think are under the most pressure this year to get it done. I appreciate that. Um, I have the same two. Same. I put the same person in second place as you did, not the same two people. I think the most pressure is on Kyler because he's the one that was throwing the fit in this offseason and talking and showing that he was unhappy and this, that, and the third and removing his Instagram and all this stuff. And he's the Pro Bowl receiver. He's the Pro Bowl player, has an opportunity to win, kind of win now mode. I think they have a team that's capable of winning. And now you got Hollywood Brown in there, which I would call it an upgrade from Christian Kirk. Like, I like Christian Kirk, but I feel like Hollywood Brown's a better player. You just had a division. You just had a championship in your division. Even the 49ers progressed farther in the playoffs than you did. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to get it done. There's also some other factors that I think there's going to be less patience there. I'll let you figure out what those factors are, and then I'll move forward to Derek Carr. I agree specifically what you said. I think that's another team that you could argue is championship ready because that defense with um, Max Crosby and uh, Ngakwe, I think is how you say his last name, um, getting to the quarterback. They seem like they had just enough on defense to get by if they had better offense. And then when you get Devontae Adams, 
you got better offense. And so now we're going to be looking at Derek Carr like, okay, everybody feels like you're that guy and you just didn't have enough. You definitely have enough now. Show me. And so that's why I got Kyler one, Derek Carr two. So this is why I didn't put Kyler in my top two is because I feel like he doesn't have pressure. Like he can go out to me and have not even a, a mediocre year. And if say the Cardinals said they want to be done, how many teams would line up to sign him? Like how bad would his year have to be for teams not to line up to want to get grab him? You know what I mean? Like if Deshaun Watson can get the money he got with the stuff going on in his background, Kyler Murray can get the same damn money. I know maybe the high hasn't been as high yet as Deshaun Watson, but it's damn, it's close enough. It's close enough that every team that has QB problems is going to be lined up for Kyler Murray. So that was the only reason why I didn't put him up there is because I think he doesn't. I think the Cardinals have more pressure because if they don't, like, re-sign him to the money, like, who could they possibly get to kind of keep this thing semi Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like he's not under pressure, I guess, like, Maybe kind of, but I don't know, not more than those two guys that I feel like that got to win because they have too many weapons and just no excuses now. Well, for me, the thing is, is like we, you bring up Sean Watson and Sean Watson stuff's all off the field because on the field, he's never had disappointments really because he either was, he was always bringing a team that was kind of not that great and he brought them to the playoffs and it felt like he did it by himself. So on the football field, we've never had any questions about Deshaun Watson at all. Whereas with Kyler Murray, he's starting to get a few questions because of the fact that he's had two playoff appearances and they were both kind of duds. Now, I don't think they were necessarily his fault, but that's kind of the nature of being a quarterback in this league is that we just blame it on you, whether it's your fault or not. So that's why I would say he's having that pressure is because I think he's going to get that label, while I would call it unfair, of kind of like that regular season quarterback or a guy you can't get it done. And I don't know if teams really would be throwing around the bag for him like that. Because when you think about who they throw the bag at, it's always players who've done it or a guy like Deshaun Watson, like I said, who's never really had any questions about him as a football player that I can think of. They're all off the field things because he's never had, he's never given you a reason to question it. Right. Even a guy like Russell Wilson, who's in my mind, we've seen some decline there. Because he's won a championship, they just don't question it because that's the way people think, even though it doesn't make sense to me. But that's kind of, for me, why I feel like Kyler's under that kind of pressure. You could argue he's not under that pressure anyway because then if they won't give him the bag in football, he'll just go get it in baseball. So maybe maybe he doesn't really have any pressure when it comes to money. But with respect to being a quarterback, I think I think the perspective of him can change the greatest if he has a poor season. He can go from a guy that we're talking about being a top 10 quarterback to someone that we're just saying like, nope, he was never that guy real quick. Whereas I don't think the perception of two is going to change regardless. I think people, even if he has a really good year, they're just going to say it's because of Waddle and it's because of Tyreek Hill. I don't think anybody's going to be like, oh, two was great. Same thing with Derek Carr. They're just going to say, oh, Devontae Adams is really good. But I think that swing and perception for him as an individual is greatest with Kyler Murray. For sure. I, I, I like where you're where you how you feel about that and what you're, you know, describing. And so I do feel like he definitely got some pressure on him, but like you said, he, there's multiple places he can get the bag. Yeah. It, the pressure ain't where he, if he's going to be able to eat, let's put it that way. He, he going to be able to find a bag somewhere. That's for sure. He, he's got options. All right. So let's switch on over to the NBA. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs. We got a couple of really good matchups and one matchup that I think is going to be a snooze fest. Um, in fact, let's, in inverse our list. Let's go the other way around because I want to get the snooze fest out the way. And that's Suns Mavs. Is there any way the Suns, I mean, the Mavs make this interesting? Because I don't think there's any way they make this interesting. Nah, not in my opinion. They're just, they're still too one dimensional for me. It's still too much Luca time. And with the Suns, I think they can handle that, especially with the defenders that they have that they're going to throw at them. Probably going to be in Mikael Bridges for the most part, Jameson Crowder, uh, Ken Johnson, they're going to throw a lot of people at him. And I just think what the Mavs have on the other side is it's not going to be enough um, versus the Suns. And if you're, I think Burke is going to slowly work his way into the series. You saw the other night he didn't play that many minutes. It was, he wasn't Booker, and they still were able to, you know, kind of close out and get that dub versus a good Pelicans team. So, I yeah, I, 
I see it a gentleman's sweep. I'm just kind of being nice. I want to call it a sweep, but I feel like Luka probably hits a shot at the, one of the end of these games that's pretty close and the Mavs get a game. So I'll go gentleman's sweep for the Suns. Yeah, I'll probably say same thing. I think the Suns can lose focus sometimes. And so I think they lose a game, possibly even two for that same reason. But I just see no way they lose the series. Um, can I just talk about Rudy Gobert for a second before we move on? I just, I just want to say this real quick. Because of the fact, part of the reason why I think the Suns are going to win this relatively easily is because I don't think you can target DeAndre Ayton in space the way that they did Rudy Gobert. Because basically, the, the Mavs were like, we're going to put five shooters on the court, and then we're going to attack Rudy Gobert because he can't get out to the shooter. That's essentially what they did to win that series. They were just like, Rudy Gobert can't get out to Maxi Kleba, and so we're going to stretch him thin and make him useless. And you can't be the depoy if you're the player that they attack in the playoffs. Like, you just can't be that. If their game plan is to go at you, then how are you the best defensive player in the league? That doesn't make sense. No one's going at Draymond Green. Like, that's not the plan, right? Like, obviously, if you have Jokic... You're going at whoever the fuck's guarding Jokic because he's that dude. But no one's like intentionally seeking out Draymond Green. No one's intentionally seeking out Marcus Smart or Giannis or any of these other depoys or Adebayo. They're intentionally seeking out Gobert because they're like, he can't get out here and he can't switch. So you just can't be my depoy if people are actually game planning to put you in the bind because they're like, this is their weakest link. As far as guarding us, like you can't be that. Like it just can't be that. So stop talking to me. What's going to happen next year is in the regular season when nobody game plans, Rudy Gobert is going to have three blocks a game and look so great defensively, and everybody's going to be like, "Look at his Raptor. Look at his WAR. Look at his defensive efficiency." And I'm going to be like, "Put on the playoff tape." Happens every year. Quinn Snyder has to take his ass off the court because he's a liability. That can't be the depoy. We don't take the depoy off the court because he's a liability. Like, I'm just done with it. Like, I, I need that to be just hushed. Don't worry. Nobody will notice him when he's in Detroit next year. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, let's move on. They can't do the same thing with DeAndre Aiden. He's a little more mobile. And even if it, that's just not the way that's going to work out, he can actually close out and get back. He's mobile that way. So their one advantage that they had in that Utah series is kind of gone. Yeah, they lose the series easy. Next series, I think it will be pretty fun. And let's go with the Golden State Warriors versus the Memphis Grizzlies. I think John Morant's going to gritty on home all the way back to um, Memphis. And while he wasn't super impressive in that Minnesota series, I don't think Golden State can present him the same kind of problems that Minnesota was able to because Minnesota was able to put length and athleticism on him which kind of neutralizes his athleticism a little bit. Whereas the Warriors don't have a lot of that. They play good defense, but they don't do it. They do it more like San Antonio Spurs style versus being able to kind of overwhelm you with size, length, and athleticism. So I think Ja's going to get off a little bit more in this series. And I think it's going to be a really interesting series. I say this goes seven and I say the Warriors win in seven. What do you think happens? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I really like this series, though. I do know that. I This will be a series where I'm probably going to watch every game. There were some games so far. I was like, ah, I'll skip this game. <laughs> but this is a series where I'm for sure going to watch every game. And I want to pick the Grizzlies, I well, for two reasons. One, because I do like their matchup versus the Warriors. And for the other one, for my own pride, because of what I said about the Warriors, because what I said to you and the bet I have going with the co-worker. So I'm slightly leaning Grizzlies for a couple of different reasons. But... I do like the matchup that the uh, the Grizzlies present with the Warriors. You know, they're going to make Steph play defense, and that's, at times, something that can be a problem for Steph when teams make him actually defend guys and make him work. It definitely takes away from his offensive end. You know, he he's one of those guys that I feel like can be worn down as the series goes on if he has to do both those things. So, and especially when you're looking at the Warriors from a defensive standpoint, like who are we putting on job for the most part? Is is that responsibility going to Wiggins? Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
I guess you, it should because he's the person that you don't need, you know, you need the less probably on offense because you can, you know, Clay, Staff, Poole can pretty much, you know, get what you need bucket-wise. But I I think that at times the Warriors are going to have problems on defense. And when you have Draymond out there, like, who who's Draymond going to be out there to pester and bother? You know what I mean? Like, is he really going to be effective as he is in other series in this series? So, I definitely think it goes seven, and I'm, I'm gonna go Grizzlies in seven. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shock some people. I like the Grizzlies. I think uh, their energy, grit, their grind, uh, all those things that they like to do in Memphis. You know, whoop that trick. I just, I just, I really believe in this Grizzlies team, and I think that they can get past the Warriors. I mean, you wasn't even sure they was gonna get past Minnesota, and now all of a sudden you sure they're gonna get past Golden State. But uh, I think there's a little bias in that. But I could see it happening personally. I think. Like I said, I think it's a much better matchup for Ja. And anytime it's a much better matchup for your best player, then that gives you a better chance um, than not. So let's go with the Miami versus Philly series. This series got might be the battle of attrition at this point in time because we got some injuries on both sides. None bigger than the fact that Joel Embiid is out indefinitely. Um, I think what's interesting is generally speaking, when we hear indefinitely, we think a long time. But part of it is indefinite, which means it could be a short time. I think this is going to end up being shorter than longer. I think they're basically have him out until they can fit that mask for him. Um, but I also think that when he's out, I think you're, we're going to see more vintage James Harden, um, which will be interesting to see because we haven't seen it in a while. Um, all that said, I think I have Miami because I know what I'm going to get. And... I like when I know what I'm going to get. I know what they're going to bring to the table. They're going to play hard-nosed defense. Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is a different dude. Um, Bam Adebayo, I think, plays good enough defense on Joel to kind of, I don't want to say neutralize him because when Joel's in the game, like he's a problem, but to limit him to some aspect. And I think Miami has just enough offense to win this series. I think this is another one. I'm going to say go six. I'm going to say Miami and six. But it could go seven. Okay. I, I'm i going to go sixers, and it's a weird reason why, but just follow me. If I if we're going to maybe get old James Harden, and let's just say he's healthy, because I don't know if he's truly healthy back from the hamstring, but let's just say he's 100% back from the hamstring. If we're getting old James Harden, I've seen him carry worse teams against better teams through the playoffs. So I think he can get a game or two on his own. If I'm getting old James Harden, that's actually going to get foul calls, which is another thing that they just decided they're going to give him. They're going to give John Morant all the old James Harden foul calls and just strip James Harden of his powers of getting those foul calls. But if he can get a couple foul calls in Miami and get to the line along with three point, uh, shooting that he possesses off the step back and driving and kicking the guys like Tobias, Niang, Maxi, uh, Danny Green could even hit a couple wide open three pointers. I think they can definitely get some games past Miami because Miami has does struggle to score at times and will keep you in games. And like we were kind of saying about Steph having the guard people, I think you can hide James Harden on defense. I think you can hide him on P.J. Tucker. I think there's some other guys that Miami likes to run out there that you can hide uh, James Harden on. And if he's not having to use any energy for defense and he's just having to use all his energy for running the offense and doing what he used to do in Houston, I think the Sixers can get some games over uh, the Heat. You know, this isn't the Hawks that the Heat are playing. This isn't the same. You're not dealing with a tiny point guard in Trey Young. You're dealing with a 6'6", the 6'7", guard who is strong, who can push you off of him. So I definitely think this is not the matchup that he wanted if the Sixers are healthy. They're not even healthy. And I'm still not even sure this is a really good matchup for the Heat if they don't have Lowry back in there. And if you're telling me that at any point Jimmy Butler's knee could flare back up and he's going to have to miss a game here or there, or who knows. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Sixers, man. I don't think a lot of people are. Last series, people were trying to write off the Sixers against a team that had nobody over 6'9", but – I'm staying on the Sixers bandwagon. I, I like this team. If Joel comes back, I definitely think they can get past the, the heat. But I still, I'm still i going with the Sixers still, man. It's probably going to have to be in seven if Joel's going to have to miss multiple games or at least one game. But I definitely like the Sixers in this matchup. Yeah, I picked Miami, but I, I'm not writing them off. I think, are we going to go three for three on disagreeing here? Because 
this Boston versus Milwaukee series, I'm starting to get a little scared, a little nervous. I'm still taking Milwaukee, but I can start. I'm starting to see it a little bit more as far as why people are taking Boston. I just think the Milwaukee team presents a different challenge for Boston. Boston was able to clog the lane against Brooklyn. Um, they're also able to overwhelm Brooklyn with size on the wing. I don't think you're doing that to Milwaukee. I think once they're not able to just A, play harder, B, overwhelm them with size, and then C, just clog the lane, I think it'll be interesting to see how Boston responds to that because they won with pretty basic stuff in the round one. Just like, oh, we're bigger. Oh, we play harder. Oh, we made one defensive adjustment that you can't figure out. Okay, we're done. I don't think it's going to be that simple from a strategic standpoint. So I got Milwaukee because I think Giannis is the best player on the court. I know Boston does have some bodies to throw at them, but two of the bodies that they're going to throw at them, I don't think they want to do that. Um, Because while they did a good job with Durant, Durant doesn't force the issue and and draw fouls the same way Giannis does. You don't want Tatum in that kind of position. Because one thing with Giannis, you are going to foul him. There's there's no really if, ands, or buts about that. There's not a way around that. So I don't think you want to put Tatum in that situation. Uh, Tatum can be a little handsy anyway on defense, so he kind of gets himself in foul trouble sometimes. You're going to have to go with Horford on Giannis, I think, for the most part. Other than that, you're going to have to spot check and put Tatum every now and then, put Brown every now and then, maybe even Marcus Smart from time to time. I think there's enough shooting on Milwaukee to get this done. I'm going to say Milwaukee in six and a half, seven, six, seven, seven, Milwaukee in seven. <laughs> You're going to have to enlighten me later on how a six and a half works, but I, I, got, I got Boston still. Ever since I've, come up with the Tatum rule. I've liked Boston more and more. And I just think Milwaukee is one of those teams where, like, there's not many teams that match up well with them, but the teams that do match up really well, and Boston's one of them, the Heat, is another team like that. But any team that has, like, length and defends, for the most part, really well, seems to match up well with Milwaukee. And I just like Boston's matchup with them. I think I would not be surprised if you see a lot of zone to some zone in this uh, series, I can see them going to a two-three and making them kind of turn it. Because if you, I know not a lot of teams in the NBA play zone, but they do run zone time to time. If you run a two-three on Milwaukee, especially with Middleton out, that can be kind of a problem with the link that Boston has. If you're making them, if you have two people up front, and those two people is probably going to be smart and say you put Tatum or Brown up front, and now you're having to, you know what I mean? Like, I just think there can be mi- problems and mix up from Milwaukee. Because right now, if Middleton, who knows when Middleton's coming back? Let's say he doesn't come back for the first two. Who's your is your third scorer, Bobby Portis? Now I do like Bobby Portis, and I think actually he's been a more consistent scorer than Holiday. So now you're saying, okay, Holiday, are you going to be back to being a consistent? Because he's been up and down so far in the playoffs, at least from an offensive standpoint. His defense is always there, so that's you know that's not to be worried about. But I just worry about the Bucks from there. To me, I feel like they're the Heat there are times where they struggle to score and just have offensive problems. And yeah, you know what you're getting from Giannis for the most part. I mean, not even for the most part, you know what you're getting from Giannis. But if those other guys aren't stepping up, I just feel more confident in the Boston guys stepping up. I feel like they're already on, you know, playing the Nets first round is good. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're revved up. They've been kind of like clicking, clicking the bucks, you know, playing the bulls where it's not, you're not really being tested to a high degree, I think is, you know, to not, you know, not a good challenge. I think that the Boston Celtics are already challenging like, yo, man, we ready to go. Like we ready for anything now. So I think that does put them a little bit ahead of the curve along with not having Middleton in the lineup. And when you were talking about Bucks, I just started to think about uh, something like when they have Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis, like that big three is probably one of the better big threes we've seen from an offensive and defensive standpoint. Like, they're nothing to sneeze at on both sides of the ball. And I just think taking one of those away is a bigger deal that we're not really thinking about because it's Middleton. If it was, you know what I mean? If it was somebody else, we'd be like, oh, man, that's a big deal. Because it's Middleton, we're like, ah, they can still do it. It's just Middleton they're missing. That's kind of a key part. So I like Boston. I'm sticking with them. Yeah, if it was, if Middleton wasn't out, I wouldn't be hesitating. I definitely would pick Boston. I mean, definitely would pick Milwaukee. Um, Middleton being out where I'm like, eh, I can see how this goes the other way. For me, defensively, I think Milwaukee can do kind of what like the Patriots used to do, where they're like, 
we're going to put our shutdown corner on your number two dude to where he's just out the game. And then we're just going to shade towards your number one. So in my mind, you put Drew on Jason on, on not Jason. You put on Brown. Uh, I can't, I don't know. I can't think of my first name right now. I'm, tri- I'm tripping. But anyway, Jalen Brown. I'm talking about Jalen Brown. I have a son named Jalen. I should be able to think about that. Um, put him on Jalen Brown and just be like, you're not getting any help. I'm fine with that matchup. And then you're able to shade everybody else towards Tatum. I think that can cause them problems. Marcus Smart, from a shooting standpoint, is in and out. There's days he's going to hit seven. There's days he's going to go over seven. You'll live with that. Uh, Garrett Williams is probably their next best like spot up shooter. I mean, if you look down that roster, Grant Williams, Grant Williams, Garrett, Grant, whatever. Um, I'm just I'm I'm doing well with names right now. Like, if you need all have met my dad, he's he does exactly what I'm doing right now. Dog, are you having a stroke? I've never heard you mess up this many names in my life. Fucking up. I don't know. Should be like that sometimes. Grant Williams, I think, is probably the next best spot up shitter. Like outside of Marcus Smart. You talk about two three zoning somebody, like <laughs> two three zone Boston Celtics. We saw how that worked in the bubble. They looked lost to shit when they were running that two three zone because everybody wants to put the shit down. So I think there's ways to make to make Boston struggle to score, and I just like the fact that Milwaukee has so many shooters. To whereas obviously you're gonna help off to help with Giannis because you have to. I like Milwaukee's ability to make you pay more than I like Boston's ability to make you pay in the help scenarios. But yeah, we, I definitely think it's gonna be a great series, though. I'm looking. For, that's another probably my second. Uh, most anticipated series. I really kind of wish Middleton was back for that. Hopefully we can get him back in that series, but that's another series that's going to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We should probably bring this home before I continue to have my stroke and just get everything wrong. So let's go ahead and move on to the the bring it home segment. So we were talking a lot of draft. Um, We didn't talk about our own teams. So our bring it home question is really simple. Uh, what draft grade would you give your favorite team for you, the Dallas Cowboys, in this year's draft? Uh, C, I guess. C minus. I don't know. I, I wasn't really that impressed with the picks. I mean, getting a tackle in the first round was definitely a need. So, I mean, I guess, sure. I don't, yeah, we needed that. So, I'm glad we picked that up. But just looking at the rest, uh, my man Sam Williams, edge rusher. I mean, we definitely needed that too. Hopefully that works out. Uh, I wasn't Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver out of South Alabama, I guess. Jake Ferguson, uh, tight end out of Wisconsin. I saw the tape. Eh, Mel Kuyper kind of had him as a backup tight end. So I was like, all right, I, I think you could probably get better in a fourth round than a backup tight end at best, you know, but to each his own. So I'll give it a CC minus. I, I wasn't impressed. I definitely thought you could have gotten better. I like, you know, like I said, I kind of like the Sam Williams uh, pick, but with losing Amari Cooper, I think you definitely could have, and um, I mean, Cedric Wilson, I think you definitely could have went out and grabbed a wide receiver uh, in the second round, especially with the talent that was still available. But yeah, the CC minus. Probably, I'm going to go with the C minus, man. It's trending closer to a D. Yeah, I actually really like Jalen Tolbert, so I like that pick a lot. Um, Sam Williams, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it fills a need, right? I think I kind of, I think I'd probably give him a C, strong C, like a 76%, not a plus, but just a, just a C. Like, you're not in danger of anything. You're passing that class. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, for the Falcons, I'd probably give them a B. There's a lot of te- There's a lot of pundits that really like their draft. Every turn, there was like, I probably would have rather had this guy. You picked the right position. I'd rather have this name. Uh, for me, I would have got the edge rusher first and then got a receiver later just because I felt like the receiver class was deeper than edge rusher. When they drafted, um, I'm struggling with names, and now i got to say that damn name. <laughs> it's like Ebikite, I think is his name. Uh, Arnold Ebikite. I think I said that better than I did Jalen Brown, so I'll call that a win. Um, I would have rather had David Ojabo. I know Ojabo's hurt. But we're not going to be good next year anyway, so I'd rather got the better player and just let him rehab, and then we'll get to turn him loose when we have a better chance to be good. So they got the right position. I would have picked a different player. Same, same thing pretty much happened the whole draft. 
Desmond Ritter, I like Malik Willis better. I don't have a problem. Because you know I said I wanted them to pass on quarterbacks. But in the third round, to me, if you can get Malik Willis, I'd have been okay with that because it's the third round. Then they got Desmond Ritter. I don't have a problem with Desmond Ritter. I prefer Malik Willis. Troy Anderson, a lot of people like him. I don't have a problem with Troy Anderson. I would have preferred N'Kobe Dean. So that was kind of my issue wasn't necessarily like they got the right position, I feel like, and they filled addressed the needs that I wanted them to address. There's just a different guy that I would have picked. So I've seen everywhere that everybody's like, oh, this is an A draft for the Falcons. I'll give it a B, maybe a like an eighty three if I was gonna give it a number, like pretty close to a B minus, but still just a B. So that's where I'm at for the Falcons. Still I guess it's optimistic that it'll work out because I think they did get good players. Just not specifically the guy that I would have taken. And another thing is I probably would have doubled up at receiver because that's not a lot of receiver options on that roster. So I think they could have got two. Um, So them just getting one was a little disappointing for me. But overall, I thought they did pretty well in the draft. And I think my main thing was I don't think spending a third on Ritter will exclude them from the quarterback conversation next year if and when we do suck again. So as long as they're not they don't pass on a guy like CJ Stroud or a guy like oh Jesus Christ, why can't I think of names right now? I am struggling. What is happening with my life right now? What's the other quarterback that everybody wants right now that's gonna be coming next year's draft? Bryce Young. Jesus. Um as long as they're not passing on a CJ Stroud Bryce Young next year, then I'll be good with it. But if they let Desmond Redder Desmond Ritter be the reason why they don't draft one of those two. I'm going to be a mad motherfucker come 2023. That's all I'm saying. So right now I'll give it a B, but if they pass on one of them for Desmond Ritter, I'm going to go back and retroactively give it an F just for that. So that's where I'm at. So we'll put this on the pod, on the social media, on Twitter and on Instagram. So you guys can grade your own teams. Love to get you guys' feedback. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm going to get off this as soon as I can and learn English again. Until then, you guys have a good day. We'll holla at y'all. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.